we were mentioning regarding wearing certain types of amulets, strings, necklaces that people do, thinking that they will protect them from the evil eye, or they think that these necklaces and amulets and strings on their wrists and other places, they will stop any harm coming to them, they will stop any evil eye coming to them. So they place these things on their own bodies, they place them, onto the bodies of their children. They place them on their cars and their animals, believing that these strings and amulets and bracelets will stop the evil eye, or that they will remove the evil eye if it has already occurred, or other types of harm. So we were at the narration where it is mentioned, عن Imran ibn Hussein radiallahu anhu, Imran ibn Hussein radiallahu anhu says, أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ رَأَى رَجُلًا فِي يَدِهِ حَلْقَةً مِنْ صُفْرٍ فَقَالَ مَا هَذَا That the Prophet وسلم, saw a man on his hand was a band made from copper, wearing a copper band on his hand. So he said to him, what is this? قَالْ مِنَ الْوَاهِنَةِ the man said, it is from a weakness in my hand. He had a weakness in his hand, a type of illness in his hand. So he was wearing this copper bracelet thinking that it has some impact in curing his hand. فقال, so the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Inza'ha. Get rid of it, remove it. Inza'ha. فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَزِيدُكَ إِلَّا وَهْنَا because it will not increase you in anything other than weakness. It will only increase you in weakness wearing this. If you die wearing this, then you will never be successful. So in this narration we see that the Prophet ﷺ, he rejected this action of the man whereby this man was wearing this copper band, believing that it would remove this illness from his hand, remove this weakness in his hand. And this was something that they had a habit of doing at that time. كَانَ مِنْ عَادَتِهِمْ لُبْسِ الْحَلْقَةِ مِنْ أَجْلِ تَوَقِّي هَذَا الْوَجْعِ يَزْعِمُونَ أَنَّ هَذِي الْحَلْقَةِ تَدْفَعُ هَذَا الْوَجْعِ They used to have this habit at the time. That they used to wear these bands, these copper bands and otherwise on their arms, on their hands, believing that these bands of this nature, they would remove any pain that they had in their hands. They would remove any pain, remove any weakness or illness from them. This was a habit they used to have at the time. So here, that's what this particular man was doing. 
So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, notice the wording. The Prophet ﷺ said to him, Inza'ha. Meaning in Arabic, the word inza'ha, get rid of it instantly, remove it. Not just simply take it off in your own time. But inza'ha means get rid of it, rip it off. This was a severe way to phrase it. To show how severe this action was of the man to be wearing it in the first place, believing that it will remove harm or that it will remove the pain. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him in this harsh, or rather not harsh, but in this forceful manner, remove it instantly, get rid of it instantly. As if to say in English, rip it off. Not just very lightly take it off in your own time. So this shows how severe this affair was. فَالنَّزْعُ مَعْنَاهُ الرَّفْعُ بِشِدَّةِ So the meaning of it is, اِرْفَعْهَا مُصْرِعًا Take it off quickly. Take it off quickly and instantly. ثُمَّ عَلَّلَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مَا فِي بَقَائِهَا عَلَيْهِ مِنَ الضَّرَرِ Then the Prophet ﷺ explained to the man what harm it would cause him. If the man left that band on his hand, and he said to him, "ثُمَّ عَلَّلَ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مَا فِي بَقَائِهَا عَلَيْهِ مِنَ الضَّرَرِ فَقَالَ فَإِنَّهَا لَا تَزِيدُكَ إِلَّا وَهْنَا يعني إنها لا تزيدك إلا ضعفا. That this band that you are wearing, it will not increase you in any way. It will not make you stronger and remove your pain in any way. In fact, the Prophet ﷺ told him, it will only increase you in greater weakness and pain. It will only increase you in greater weakness. It will only increase you in greater pain and illness. And this is, as some of the scholars they say, an illness or an increase in weakness in of yourself. Psychologically in of yourself, wearing this band makes you weaker. And the reason being because now, when that person is wearing this copper band, he believes that by wearing this copper band, or whatever the people wear nowadays, the strings and the necklaces and the amulets, they believe that this item by wearing it, it has an impact on removing the evil eye or protecting them from the evil eye. So their hearts, to a degree, become attached to this item that they are wearing. They become attached to this item that they are wearing. So their dependence begins to fall on this item. And that, in reality, makes them weaker. Because the minute you take that off them, mentally in of themselves, now they start to panic. They start to feel like they're even weaker, they need it back. Because they have now come to believe that this item is helping them. They've come to believe that this item is aiding them in keeping the evil eye away. Or helping them in removing the harm which is on them. They've come to believe that. And their hearts have become attached to this idea. So now if you were to take that away from them, then they find themselves in an even greater degraded state. In terms of their weakness. Because now they feel like the source or something which was helping them has been removed from them. So they end up feeling even weaker, even though in reality, this band does not do anything. But now they in of themselves inside begin to feel weaker anyway, 
because they were attached to this item. So the Prophet ﷺ said to him, this will not increase you in anything other than weakness. It will increase you in weakness. فَهَذَا, as Shaykh Al-Fawzan says, فَهَذَا دَلِيلٌ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ لَبْسُ هَذِهِ الْأَشْيَاءِ مِنَ الْحَلْقَ وَنَحْوِهَا بِقَصْدِ دَفْعِ الضَّرَرِ أَنَّهُ يُسَبِّبُ عَكْسَ الْمَقْسُودَ This indicates that a person who wears these types of items believing that they will help him in removing the harm from him or protect him from the evil eye, etc. That actually it has the opposite effect on the person. It doesn't make the person feel stronger afterwards by wearing those things. It actually puts him into a weaker state because his heart has now become attached and dependent upon those items. So it actually makes the person weaker. It doesn't make them any stronger or more powerful against the evil eye and other types of evils. فَإِنَّهُ لَبِسَهَا مِنْ أَجْلِ تَوَقِّ الْمَرَضِ وَالنَّبِيُّ أَخْبَرَ أَنَّهَا تَجْلِبُ الْمَرَضِ This particular individual had worn this item to protect himself from that illness, to remove that pain in his hand. But the Prophet said to him, the opposite will occur. You'll increase in your pain, you'll increase in your weakness. وَذَلِكَ ظَاهِرٌ فِي الَّذِينَ يَتَعَاطَوْنَ هَذِهِ الْأَشْيَاءِ تَجِدُهُمْ دَائِمًا فِي قَلَقٍ وَفِي خَوْفٍ The Shaykh says, you find those types of people who wear these items, that they are always in that type of state of being aggrieved or anxious. You find them in a state of anxiety. These types of people who depend upon these bracelets and strings and whatever else, you find those people have this state where they are always in a state of anxiety. And that is what is found of these types of people who depend on strings and amulets and bracelets and whatever else. You find them that they are people of anxiety because now they have put their trust into something, an item which is useless. So now this doesn't help them in any way. It only increases them in anxiety if that is taken away now. Their anxiety levels increase further. لكن الذي يتوكل على الله لا يهمه شيء فتجده نشيطا قوي العزيمة مرتاح الضمير منشرح الصدر. As for a person who puts his dependence in Allah, a person who puts his trust in Allah, knowing that everything is decreed by Allah and no harm can come to him except if that is decreed upon him. He puts his trust completely in Allah, his dependence completely on Allah, then that person will have no anxiety. That person will not have any grief or anxiety or worry. He will be relaxed. And he will have his mind at ease, knowing that all of the decrees from Allah. He's not worried about that person and the evil eye coming to me and this person, magic and whatever else. As the people nowadays, that's all it is. Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. We think some evil has been done to us. We think black magic has happened. We think evil eyes happening. Everybody just anxiety. Because they have forgotten the reality of this, which is that Allah controls all of the affair. The decree is from Allah. Nothing will occur to them without the decree of Allah. They need to return back to putting their trust completely and fully in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when they do that, they will find themselves at peace. They will find themselves at ease. Knowing that it is Allah, their creator, who controls all of the universe and everything which occurs within it. <laughs>
knowing that if any hardship or harm comes to them, that upon them is to remain patient and show contentment upon that, and their sins are expiated and their ranks are raised as a consequence of that patience. So the people are required to put their trust and dependence in Allah. And that's what will give them an ease of mind and give them peace in of themselves. Not to be wearing these amulets and bracelets and necklaces, believing this will protect you from the evil eye and this will protect you from the harm of the people. And that's why the Prophet said to this man, فَإِنَّكَ لَوْ عَلَيْكَ مَا أَفْلَحْتَ أَبَدًا If you die wearing this, then you will never be successful. Why is that? Because this act is no doubt an act of shirk. When a person puts his trust and his dependence into these bands and strings and whatever else, it is an act of shirk. And it could be an act of shirk which is major, exits you from the fold of Islam, or it could be an act of shirk which is minor. How is that? Somebody who wears one of these bands or strings thinking this protects you from the evil eye. It protects you from the magic occurring to you. It protects you from the harm of the people. Somebody wearing that, that is now an act of shirk. But is it an act of major shirk or is it an act of minor shirk? Bear in mind that major shirk, it exits you from Islam. Kafir. Minor shirk does not exit you. From the fold of Islam, you will not remain in the hellfire forever. So there's a difference between major and minor shirk. What is this? Major, major shirk? Is, is it depending on if they're, if they're ignorant of the, of the rulings? <clears throat> it is linked to their understanding. It is linked to their belief regarding it. If a person believes that this item in of itself has some power and ability to prevent the evil eye and to remove the harm. He believes these items in of themselves have some ability. Then in that case, the person has committed major shirk. If his aqidah is that these items themselves have ability to do these things. As for if a person believes, he knows that these items in of themselves can't do anything. But it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who controls the affair. But he believes these items will help in that process. Then that is minor shirk. He believes at the end it is Allah who controls the affairs. Not these items. But he still believes that these items will have a role to play. And they will aid in the affair etc. Then that is minor shirk. So it depends upon the belief and the aqidah of that person. If he believes that these items are acting independently in of themselves, they can protect him from the evil eye. That's major shirk. But if a person believes that Allah is the one who controls the affair, but these items are something which help that process, and they will aid him in that process by wearing them, then this is an act of minor shirk. قَالَ الشَّيْخُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ فِي مَسَائِلِهِ فِيهِ شَاهِدٌ لِكَلَامِ الصَّحَابَةِ the Shaykh says that here the speech of the companions when the companions used to say that the minor shirk is greater than the major sins. Minor shirk is greater than the major sins. فَالشِّرْكُ الْأَصْغَرْ أَكْبَرُ مِنَ الْكَبَائِرِ لِأَنَّ الْمَعَاصِ وَإِنْ كَانَتْ كَبَائِرِ إِذَا لَمْ تَكُنْ شِرْكًا فَلَا تَخِلُّوا بِالْعَقِيدَةِ وَأَمَّا الشِّرْكَ الْأَصْغَرْ فَإِنَّهُ يَخِلُّ بِالْعَقِيدَةِ 
وأيضا لا يغفر على صحيح والمعاصي الكبائر التي دونه مظن المغفرة You could consider sins in three ways then That there is major shirk Then the level below that is minor shirk And those two types of actions cannot be forgiven If a person dies upon major shirk or minor shirk That cannot be forgiven Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not forgive that you commit shirk with him. However, what's the difference between the major and the minor? The major shirk will never be forgiven. And you'll be in the hellfire forever. But the minor shirk, even though it's not forgiven, you must be punished. You are not punished forever. Eventually you will be removed and entered into paradise. So both of them are unforgivable. You are punished for both. But the major shirk, you are punished forever. There is no forgiveness. But the minor shirk, eventually then, you will be removed and entered into paradise. Then after them, the third level of sinning is the major sins. Major shirk, minor shirk, then the major sins. That is one possible way to conceptualize that. The, the major sins, what's the ruling on them? A person who dies upon the major sins. If a person dies upon a major sin, a major sin like drinking alcohol no. or fornicating, they will be forgiven, they will be forgiven instantly. No. So with those ones, as many of the scholars they say, it is taht al That if a person has committed not any of the shirk, major or minor, but only sins, major sins even, but not shirk, major sins, stealing alcohol, etc. That the scholars they mention this type of person is under the will of Allah on the day of judgment. If Allah wills, He will punish that person for these sins that he committed in the fire. And then he'll be removed afterwards. And if Allah wills, it's possible that some of these people may just be forgiven anyway. From the various other affairs that occur, from the intercession of the others, from their other good deeds, etc. etc. That some of them may be forgiven anyway by the mercy of Allah and taken straight to paradise. So the major sins... They can be forgiven. It's not a necessity, as some of the scholars mentioned. It is not a necessity that the person must enter the fire for major sins. But that it is under the will of Allah. If Allah wills to punish them, He will. And if Allah wills to forgive instantly, He will. وَالشَّاهِدُ مِنْ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ ظَاهِرُ So the point of this narration is very clear. وَهُوَ أَنَّ النَّبِيَّ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ إِسْتَنْكَرَ لِبْسُ الْحَلْقَةِ التي يقصد منها دفع الضرر وأخبر أنها لا تزيد صاحبها إلا مرضا وأنه لمات لو مات وهي عليه ما أفلح أبدا وهذا فيه دليل على منع لبس الحلقة ونحوها من أجل دفع الضرر أو من أجل دفع العين أو غير ذلك من المقاصد سيئة The point of this narration is very clear therefore that if a person wears these types of items believing that they will help in removing the evil eye or keeping other types of harm away from him, then that is an action which is rejected and rebuked, and it is an action which is impermissible, and it is not correct for a person to be wearing any items of this nature, believing that they will help or aid that person. وَمِثْلُهُ رَبْطُ الْخَيْطِ عَلَى السَّاقِ فَبَعْضُ النَّاسِ يَرْبِطُونَ خُيُوطًا عَلَى سِيقَانِهِمْ Also the shaykh says something else people do is wear strings around their shins. Some people put strings that they tie around their ankles or their shins or on their arms, pieces of string, believing these strings have some ability or power 
to prevent the evil lies. So all of that again is similar to this and it is impermissible. After that, وَلَهُ عَنْ عُقْبَةِ بْنِ عَامِرِ مَرْفُوعًا مَنْ تَعَلَّقَ تَمِيمَةً فَلَا أَتَمَّ اللَّهُ لَهُ وَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ وَدَعَةً فَلَا وَدَعَ اللَّهُ لَهُ That whomsoever attaches himself or wears a tamimah, then Allah will not complete his affairs for him. And whomsoever attaches a wada'ah, then Allah will not leave that person upon that way. What does this mean, this narration? This particular hadith, which is narrated by Imam Ahmad, rahimahullah ta'ala, or it is mentioned, uh, uh, gathered, collected by Imam Ahmad, Rahimahullah ta'ala Man ta'allaqa tamimatan fala atamma allahu lah Man ta'allaqa Ay man allaqa hadha shay'a ala jismihi Aw allaqa qalbahu bih Wa'atakada fihi annahu Yanfa'uhu Aw yadurruhu Min dunillahi azza wa jal So the meaning of man ta'allaqa tamimatan Whomsoever wears one of those Attaches it to himself, to his body One of these strings, necklaces, amulets Or he has his heart connected to it. He has his heart connected to it, attached to it, even if he's not actually physically wearing it. So whomsoever has his heart attached to some item of this nature, or maybe he's actually wearing it as well, and his heart is attached to it, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not complete the affairs of that person as he desires. Why is that mentioned? Because tamima. Tamima in the Arabic language, Kharazat, Tuallaku alal awlad, Yattakuna bihal ain. Wakadalika mashabaha, Minkuli mayuallak, Minal Kharazat, Wagayriha, Minal Huruz, Walhujub, Fahada Laysa bihasin bilkhars. Wa inna mahada tafsir lebeyan no and min noel muallakat, Wominhuman yuallakun nal, alal bab, Wayajalu wajhan nali mukabil and li shaksil ati, O ala siyar, Wayadununa and nahadil ashia tedfu anhum sharral hazard. Because tamima in the Arabic language, it is these, for example, beads, necklaces of beads that they used to make, for example, believing that these will protect them from the evil eye. Or any other type of necklace of that nature, any other type of strings and uh, attachments that they used to wear. Uh, for example, this is mentioned now how people put the shoe, the horse shoe. On their door, some people put a horseshoe on their door, believing this protects you from evil, uh, or other types of shoes that they put on the door, uh, and other types of strings, etc. They put on their cars. All of these types of things, they believe that it will protect them from envy and protect them from the evil eye, uh, and it will complete their affairs for them, meaning it will make their affairs good for them and remove any harm from them. But the hadith says that the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not complete their affairs for them if they do that. Allah will not make their affairs perfect and good for them if they do that. If they put their attachment and their association to these other items. فَلَا أَتَمَّ اللَّهُ لَهُ هَذَا دُعَاءُ مِنَ النُّسَى سَلَّمْ بِأَنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَتِمُّ لَهُ أُمُورَهُ وَيَعْقِسُ مَقْسُودَهُ عَلَيْهُ وَالرَّسُولَ سَلَّمْ مُجَابُ الدَّعْوَةِ فَهَذِي الدَّعْوَةَ تَتَنَاوَلُ كُلَّ مَنْ عَلَّقَ عَلَى نَفْسِهُ وَعَلَى غَيْرِهِ شَيْءٍ مِنَ الْحُجُبِ وَالْحُرُوسِ وَالتَّمَاءِمْ يُرِيدُ بِهَا كَفَّ الشَّرِّ عَنْهُ إِلَى يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ This is like a dua from the Prophet ﷺ in this hadith. 
The Prophet ﷺ, some of the scholars have said the explanation of it is, he is making a dua against people who wear these types of items. That the Prophet ﷺ is asking Allah, making a dua to Allah, do not make their affairs good and complete. The ones who put their trust and dependence in these strings and items and horseshoes and whatever else. So this dua, if that is the explanation as some of the scholars have mentioned, it is. This is a dua which encompasses everybody who wears these types of items till the day of judgment. A dua against them from the Prophet ﷺ. That do not make their affairs good and complete as they desire. They think their affairs will be made good and complete by wearing these items. And they do not realize that they need to put their trust in Allah, not in this string or this necklace or whatever else they wear. And as the hadith mentions, the opposite will actually occur to the person. And that was the same as the previous narration. Rather, as Allah mentions in the Quran, the believer should say, Qul Allah. Say that Allah is sufficient for me. Allah is sufficient for me. Allah is enough for me. Alayhi Upon Allah, the people of trust put their trust into Him. The believers, they put their trust in Allah. The believers, they have their dependence in Allah. They do not have their trust in these strings and these pieces of uh, necklace and whatever else and bands and neck and rings. People think, wear these things and it will protect you from the evil eye. That is your incorrect conclusion. That actually makes the situation worse for you. The dua of the Prophet ﷺ against those people who put their trust and dependence in these types of items instead of Allah. Similarly, وَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ وَدْعَةً Wad'atan was like a pearl they used to get out of the sea. In the shells, when you take out the pearls, they used to get some of these pearls from the shells, and they used to put them into necklaces and wear them, thinking these pearls that we took from the sea, they have an impact in keeping the evil eye away from you too. So that is something that they used to do as well. They used to get the pearls, make them into necklaces, put them on their necks, put them on their animals, believing that these pearls from the sea, from those shells, they will protect you from the evil eye. And the narration again says, that whomsoever does that, whomsoever attaches these types of pearls to themselves, whomsoever attaches these types of necklaces to themselves, believing that they will help them and to remove the evil eye, then that will not occur, the opposite will occur. Their situation will not be made good and perfect and complete for them. Rather, it will be made the opposite. They will be left to their own devices. They will be left to these items that they are putting their trust in. And these items, of course, will not be able to give them or provide for them in any way, shape or form to remove any harm or evil eye from them. So they'll be left in a state of loss. In another narration, it actually says, وَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ تَمِيمَةً فَقَدْ أَشْرَكَ that whomsoever wears these amulets and bracelets and whatever else, that the person has committed shirk. In one narration it says it like that, from Imam Ahmad, that whomsoever wears these types of things, he has committed shirk. فَمَنْ تَعَلَّقَ تَمِيمَةً فَقَدْ أَشْرَكَ Again, when the people they wear these types of things, what is the ruling? As we said, it depends on the aqidah of the person. If he believes that these items in of themselves have ability, then that is major shirk. But if he believes that Allah is the one who controls the affair, but these items are just things that help this along, they are not the ones themselves who have the ability, 
then that is still minor shirk for, for doing that and putting your trust into them and wearing them and depending upon them. But it is not major shirk because the person still believes that Allah is the one who controls the affairs, but these items are something which aid and help that process along. Then after that we have the narration, وَلِبْنِ أَبِي حَاتِمْ عَنْ حُذَيْفَةً أَنَّهُ رَأَى رَجُلًا فِي يَدِهِ خَيْطٌ مِنَ الْحُمَّةِ فَقَطَعَهُ وَتَلَى قَوْلَهُ وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ It's narrated that Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman, he saw, رضي الله عنه, a man wearing a piece of string in his hand, to protect him from Al-Humma, it says here. Al-Humma, fever. To protect himself from fever. Believing that this string had some impact in that. يعني اتخذه أن يقيه من الحمى. He was wearing this string, believing that it would protect him from fever. والحمى ارتفاع الحرارة في الجسم. فالرجل ربط الخيط من أجل أن يتقي الحمى فحضيف بن اليمان رضي الله عنه قطع هذا الخيط من هذا الرجل فهذا فيه إزالة المنكر كما أن نبي سلم لما رأى الحلقة قال انزعها so when حضيف بن اليمان رضي الله عنه one of the companions he saw this man wearing this string around his hand to protect himself from fever as he believed this particular man حضيف بن اليمان in this narration it says he took that string and he cut it off him he cut the string off the man's hand. So this indicates the principle of Ahlul Sunnah here regarding removing the evil. Removing the evil. Hudayfa here, radiallahu anhu, had the ability and the authority in that situation to be able to do that. So he did that. He removed that evil. And he narrated to that person, وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ بِاللَّهِ إِلَّا هُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ That many of them do not believe in Allah except that they are also mushrikun. Meaning that they do not believe in the rububiyyah of Allah except that they commit shirk in the uluhiyyah. Because the mushrikeen at that time, they used to believe in the rububiyyah of Allah. That Allah is the creator, the sustainer, the provider, etc. But they did not believe in the uluhiyyah of Allah. They did not used to make their worship sincerely for His sake. So that is one explanation that has been given regarding this. أَكْثَرُ النَّاسِ وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ وَمَا يُؤْمِنُ أَكْثَرُهُمْ يَعْنِي أَكْثَرُ النَّاسِ وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ قِيلْ مَعْنَاهُ أَنَّهُمْ لَا يُؤْمِنُونَ بِالْرُبُوبِيَّةِ إِلَّا وَهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ فِي الْأُلُوهِيَّةِ لِأَنَّ الْمُشْرِكِينَ كُلُّ إِلَّا الْمُشْرِكِينَ كُلَّهُمْ يُقِرُونَ بِالْرُبُوبِيَّةِ وَلَكِنَّهُمْ مُشْرِكُونَ فِي الْأُلُوهِيَّةِ so the mushrikeen they used to believe in the rububiyyah of Allah but they did not used to believe in the uluhiyyah of Allah so here حذيفة he narrated to them this ayah that many of them do not believe except that they commit shirk also. فَدَلَّ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ شِرْكَ قَدْ يَقَعُ وَيَكْثُرُ وَقُوعُهُ حَتَّى مِنْ أَهْلِ الْإِيمَانِ Similarly, it could be that this is referring to the people of iman, that they actually have iman. But then they fall into these types of affairs that are affairs of shirk. So this indicates that even a person of iman could fall into an affair which is an affair of shirk. A person of iman may fall into something which is shirk. إن كان المراد الشرك الأصغر ماين الشرك فالشرك الأصغر قد يصدر من المؤمن ماين الشرك may occur from a believer كما قد يصدر من النفاق يصدر منه النفاق العملي ويصدر منه الرياء 
Just like the nifaq of actions may occur from a believer, nifaq of actions, for example, lying when he speaks, betraying the trust when he is entrusted, those types of characteristics which are traits of the munafiqeen, a believer may fall into them. And so these types of actions could occur from a believer, showing off as an example. These are actions that may occur from a believer. So he is upon iman and belief, but then they fall into these types of actions that may be from the actions of minor shirk. So that's why Hudayfa narrated this, radiallahu anhu, that many of them do not believe except that they are mushrikeen, meaning that they end up falling into some of these affairs of the minor shirk also. قَالَ الشَّيْخُ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهِ فِي مَسَائِلِهِ فِيهِ أَنَّ صَحَابَ يَسْتَدِلُّونَ بِالْآيَاتِ الَّتِي فِي شِرْكِ الْأَكْبَرِ عَلَى الْأَصْغَرِ لأن الحذيفة لأن حذيفة ابن اليمان استدل بالآية النازلة في شرك الأكبر على شرك الأصغر. هي this particular ayah is talking about the major shirk that many of those people do not believe except that they are mushrikeen that they have shirk in the uluhiyah of Allah. So why did حذيفة use this ayah which is talking about major shirk upon this man he saw who was a believer? Why use the ayah talking about major shirk on an action? That was possibly only minor shirk. This is something which is witnessed from the companions. That they may use the stronger evidence for the lesser sin as a severe warning to that person. To use the strong evidence, even if the sin is lesser than that, to show that person the severity of the affair. To show that person how serious the issue is, how severe this matter is. فَالْآيَةِ شَامِلَ لِلشِّرْكِ الْأَكْبَرِ وَالشِّرْكِ الْأَصْغَرِ So the ayah, it can be used for both. It is possible to use it for both. If it is used for the major shirk, then it is talking about those who used to disbelieve in the uluhiyah. And if it is talking about minor shirk, the believers who fall into some of the affairs of the minor shirk. فَهُوَ اسْتَدَلَّ بِهَا عَلَى بَعْضِ مَا دَلَّتْ عَلَيْهِ كَذَلِكَ حُذَيْفَ اسْتَدَلَّ بِهَذِهِ الْآيَةِ عَلَى بَعْضِ مَا دَلَّتْ عَلَيْهِ so this ayah, it could include major shirk, and it could include minor shirk. So Hudayfa ibn al-Yaman radiyallahu anhu used this ayah here, even though it could potentially mean major shirk, he used it nevertheless, even if the affair here was only minor shirk, to indicate the severity of that affair, and to make it known to the person how dangerous this is, wearing these necklaces, strings, wearing these various uh, forms of amulets and uh, bands, believing that they will help and aid a person in his affairs, that they will remove the evil eye from that person. So that is the end of that particular chapter. The following chapter now, it discusses regarding ruqya and tama'im to a further degree. Ruqya and tama'im. Ruqiyah, as you know, it is the recitation that can be done upon a person. The recitation that can be done upon a person from the ayat of the Qur'an, from the du'as of the sunnah. And this recitation can have an impact upon the person in curing him. The recitation of this nature, the ruqiyah which is acceptable, can have an impact upon curing the person. So this following chapter now is going to talk about ruqyah. What type of ruqyah is allowed? What type of ruqyah is not allowed? 
How should Ruqya be performed when it is performed? What are the rulings behind it in terms of the legitimate performance of Ruqya? And what are the types of Ruqya that people perform which are incorrect and against the Sunnah? And similarly, the Tama'im, meaning some of these further explanations and evidences regarding the necklaces and bands and rings that people wear, believing that it keeps them safe from the evil eye or from the envy of a person who envies them. So that chapter will begin with next time, inshallah ta'ala, from the beginning. Chapter 7 in your books. Inshallah, that's what we'll begin with from the next lesson. If there are any questions at this stage and we're able to take them, then we'll do so. Otherwise, we'll conclude upon that point. In? Medicine, yeah. Correct. When a person takes medicine, your trust is not in the medicine. When you take the medicine, your trust is in Allah. Allah will cure you. Maybe two people, they have the same illness. They both take the same medicine, only one of them gets cured. Why did the medicine not work in the other person? That's the way it is. The medicine isn't going to cure you. The medicine is a means. It's a means which the people have discovered. Certain medicines, they are uh, uh, influential. They have an impact in certain illnesses. It's a means that people have discovered. But the medicine in of itself is not the end goal. The medicine in of itself isn't what you put your trust in. That if I have the medicine, alhamdulillah, that, that will sit, take care of it, that will sort it out. You don't put your trust in the medicine. The trust is in Allah. You take the medicine because that is the means that you are taking. And taking the means is something good. That's okay. There are in fact chapters in the books of the sunnah, particularly on medicine. A hadith about medicine when companions got ill and what the Prophet told them to do and how to uh, treat themselves or what medicines to use, etc. So that is permissible to take the medicines. And it is taking the necessary or the uh, relevant means that the people have, which lead onto as the people have understood to having an impact upon those types of illnesses. But the end goal is not the medicine that you take as a means, but your trust is in Allah that Allah will cure you. So that is the belief you should have regarding medicines too. Not that you put your trust and your reliance in the medicine to cure you. What's the ruling on the people that and the, the so-called Muslims and they give these uh, amulets uh, and uh, you know taweezes? It depends. Those people who do that kind of thing, it's not permissible. They need to be advised. They need to be told. These explanations and evidences need to be given to them that they have to refrain from giving these types of amulets and other strings and whatever else they say. It's been blown on it and recitation has been done on it and whatever else and writings. And we're going to get to that in more detail yet. The Taweez especially, we'll get to that in more detail yet regarding how they write certain things in there and they claim it is the Qur'an only and in reality it's rarely just the Qur'an they might write some Qur'an in there but then there's all types of other things they put in there too and we'll get to that soon in the next chapter so we'll mention a bit more detail as well about these Taweez and the different types of things that they wear and the impermissibility of it but the people who uh, distribute those things they have to be told you should advise them, you should warn them and tell the people to stay away from them those who are distributing these types of things to the people uh, what is the ruling on someone that believes in, uh, you know, 
the Chinese concept of uh, qi. What is that? A uh, life force kind of a power thing. Like you see in, uh, I think, Japanese cartoons and stuff. And uh, how do you go about advising that person? So what is it? What is the concept? <coughs> what does it do? It's like um, a life force kind of a power. Like mm -hmm. they can, for example, uh, move people without touching them. Like magic, basically. Yeah, well, they yeah. believe in that. But they, don't, but they don't believe it's magic. The person yeah. believes it's actually power inside someone. Energy, yeah. it's energy. Negative. Yeah, energy kind of thing, yeah. If they believe they can perform those types of activities, then that is clearly something which is nonsense. It's a falsehood. They believe through these energies, whatever these energies are, that they can do things like that, as an example that you gave. And that is clearly falsehood. And you need to explain to the people this is nonsense. There is something known as the karamatul awliya, that sometimes the awliya of Allah, those who are genuinely sincere and righteous and following the sunnah, Allah allows them to sometimes perform miracles. That is the awliya of Allah, not the awliya of a shaitan. The people who work with magicians, the people who work with jinn, the people who are upon all this type of thing, forces and whatever else they believe in. That is a nonsense and those people need to be told, the Muslims need to be told. This is not the way, where, where in the Quran, the Sunnah, we've been told about these forces, positive, negative, you can remove people, whatever else. That is not from our religion. There is karamatul awliya for the righteous, the sincere, those people upon the Qur'an, the Sunnah, sometimes Allah allows them to perform certain miracles. There are examples of how certain people walked on water, narrations, authentic, from the awliya of Allah. But these types of things people, they do working with these, often it's probably jinn, etc. else, and these types of uh, beliefs, these types of uh, things that people have in their minds, forces, etc. You can do this, you can do that. It should be left. It is not from the religion of Islam, from the religion of the Chinese, etc. We're upon shirk anyway. Does it... Uh, um, does it Again, depends. The aqidah of a person, the, re the relevant aqidah of a person will determine the ruling on him. So if a person believes in that to a degree whereby he thinks that there is some sort of uh, independent ability in these forces, it depends on the aqidah. If he believes that there's some independent ability in the forces, etc., it's a major shirk. But people have to be told, Muslims have to be told, this is not from the religion of Islam. These types of forces and whatever else and ground and... and it's all from the, uh, the, the mushrikeen, the orientalists, those types of people, and it should not be accepted. You know, the ta'weez, if somebody has a ta'weez and they're mm. not, like, um, how do they go about, like, removing, like, destroying it or something, or getting rid of that ta'weez? Allah, I know, we're searching to it in more detail, but it's probably a case of destroying it, burning it, to get rid of it. We will try to find some fatawas specifically if there are any um, detailed descriptions of how to dis, uh, dispose of fatawis. But otherwise, it would just be a case of destroying it, burn it, get rid of it. Yeah. Destroy it so that it no longer exists, whichever way you destroy it. Yeah. But inshallah, we'll see if there's any specific fatawa regarding, uh, especially if it's got some Quran written on it, then you can't uh, dispose of it in a, in a way where it would be degrading because there's Quran on it too. So you'd have to burn it or something of that nature. So we'll leave it there. Inshallah, we'll carry on next week at approximately 7.30, 7.40, inshallah. After the Maghrib prayer. <coughs>